in the, the house of the Lord this morning. You know, Sunday morning is my reset. Uh, I may go through a week where I'm facing hard things in my own life or work just drags you down. There's always one more thing you have to get done before you can leave. And uh, the news media throws, uh, throws garbage at us if we listen to it very much. Uh, but I know that I can come in on a Sunday morning and I get to reset my heart to the rhythm of heaven. I get to come into the house and praise God uh, with, the, with, the, with the family of God. You know, sometimes we have to make a choice. I will worship. I will worship. You know, when everything is going my way, when things are good, when I'm on the mountain, when I'm on the cruise ship deck, uh, you know, I don't need a reason to praise God. It's all around me. I can just go ahead and praise him. Oh, but when it's dark <laughs> and when things are hard, but I choose to come into the house and set all that aside to put my heart on the Lord, that is the sacrifice of praise, and it is, it is acceptable in the courts of heaven. I'm a Pentecostal mama, and I love worshiping the Lord. I love the emotions of worship. You can't get the music loud enough. You can't turn the fire up hot enough. I'm always going to say there has to be some more of that. Come on, let's bring it on. Uh, I, I like that stuff. But you know that my faith does not rest on what I feel. I love those emotions, but that doesn't that didn't that didn't buy me. The, the emotions didn't ransom me. The emotions of this relationship with God, uh, that, that isn't what I'm standing on. I'm not what I feel. I can come in here and my feeler be broke. I can come in here and, and my feeler be broke because I face some things. But if I will come in and say, I may not feel it, but I'm going to worship anyway. It's a choice that is moving the heart of God. I am not what I feel. I am what I faith. It doesn't matter if my filler is working or not because it doesn't change who Jesus is. He is still wonderful. He is still awesome. He is still splendid in wonder and clothed in majesty. He's still worthy no matter what. He's bigger than my circumstances. He's better than the blessing he's going to give me. He's more powerful than I can imagine. He is more faithful than the politicians. And I said I wasn't going to go there, but there I went. You know what? If my, if my well-being and my sense of, of everything is well in the world relied on a man sitting in an Oval Office or relied on a, a Supreme Court justice that's been appointed to a bench, if that's what makes me think everything's okay, I'm in trouble. Oh, I don't, I don't have to rely on them because I've got a king. And he's high and lifted up and he's sitting on his throne. And no one elected him and no one's going to put him off of that throne either. He's never going to be impeached. He is God Almighty and I can trust what he says. The Bible tells me in the book of Psalms that the foundations of his throne are in his character of righteousness and justice. I can trust him. And you know what? Maybe I can't mount mountains. Maybe I can't even move them with a little bit with my faith. Oh, but King Jesus can. King Jesus can take care of my mountains. King Jesus can take care of my mess. I just need to get where he is. And how do I do that? Set my face and I begin to worship. I begin to worship. This morning, church, as I was praying, what word... The Lord would have me to bring to Rodney Pike this morning. 
I couldn't get away from the phrase, a simple gospel. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in his, in his second letter to the Church of Corinthians, and, and remember that the Church of Corinthians, they were a spiritual people. And they had a lot of good things going and a lot of right things going, but they needed some adjustment in some of the doctrine. Sometimes they were tolerating things they ought not tolerate. And, and, and Paul wrote in this, uh, this second Corinthians uh, chapter 11, he said, hey, I'm jealous over you with this godly jealousy because I have betrothed you as a chaste bride to one husband. I, I have... I have already made the wedding vows between you and the Lord. I've already, that's already done. But now I'm fearful. I'm worried about you guys. And this is mommy's paraphrase, guys. I'm worried about you guys. Lest just like, like Eve was beguiled by the serpent's subtlety. I, I, I'm, I'm worried that you're going to be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ, the simplicity of the gospel. Isn't it good to know that in a world that's a little bit crazy and life that is hectic and schedules that we just can't keep up with, that there is a simplicity in Christ? There is a simple gospel. Uh, we're going to be heading to the prophet Isaiah 53 this morning. And, and I thought Miss Kayla was just going to go ahead and preach my message. But we're going to go to Isaiah 53. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, I just want to share with you a conversation that I've had this past week. I try to call my dad every evening as, a, as much as I can because my dad is an elderly gentleman in the hills of Kentucky. And my sister and I don't have much luck in trying to talk him out of those mountains. We've tried a long time, and he's not giving up his mountains. But I called my dad, and I expected the normal conversation, how's the dogs? What did you eat for supper? Did you have a good day? And he said, I bought a phone. I bought a new phone, and, and, and I know you had a, an Android phone, so I got one of those. And he said, I can't figure it out. I don't know how to call anybody on this thing. And, and, and you have to understand about my dad. My dad is 85 years old, but he's the MacGyver of the mountains. If anybody gives him a problem, something that's broken, something doesn't work, my daddy's going to figure it out. I've seen my daddy build his own radios before. I've seen him put up his own satellite dish and climb the mountain to make sure it was pointed in the right direction. My daddy's MacGyver. He can figure anything out. But my dad called. He said, I, I, I can't make this thing work. So I sat down and I took my phone and I said, open it up. And, and, and I told him, you see that little picture that looks like a telephone receiver, an old-fashioned old telephone receiver? If you touch that, you're going to be able to call. And you see that one that looks like the camera? You're going to be able to take a picture with that thing. And after about half an hour with this thing, he began getting pretty good with it. He's like, well, this is kind of simple. This isn't as hard as I thought. And, and, and I know that pastor says he doesn't like us on our phones in church, but he's not here. Go ahead and get your phone out. Go ahead and get that thing out. And look at this thing. Do you know I can touch a one finger on this phone and I can touch a nut, one name on my list, and I can call my mommy on my way home from work. 
I can call my mommy. And, and you know, I don't have a clue how that works, but it does. And you know what else I can do? I can take a picture. And you know what? There's another app on here, and I can edit the picture. And if you have wrinkles, I can get rid of it for you. I'm a professional photographer with this thing. And you know what else I can do? I can tell you where the constellation Orion is right now, even though the sun is out. I can look up the price of a meal in Hong Kong or watch a TikTok video of a donkey laughing at a dog. I don't know why I would do that, but I could do it. <laughs> this thing is easy to use. It's simple. One touch gives me the world in my hands. It's a simple device on my side of it. But do you know that there were engineers who worked for decades to get us to this technology? There were men and women who spent their life's work trying to make that transistor just a little smaller, trying to make a, a, a power supply that would fit in, a, in, in your palm of your hand. Uh, they, they worked very hard to get us to this, what I called a simple, simple device. Do you know that phone in your hand right now? It's a supercomputer, and it's not simple at all. It's capable of executing over 3 million instructions in a second. It is over 32,000 times as fast and powerful as the computers they use to send men to the moon. And it's in your hand, and it's easy for us to use. But it is not simple at all. It's complex. There's complexities I can't understand. I can take the cover off my phone. I can take a, a, a screwdriver and prise the back off. I don't recommend that. But I could do that. And I'm not going to know anything about what I find in there. That simple phone I was able to help my dad use in about half an hour is incredibly complex. But you know I didn't come here to talk to you about cell phones, right? Go ahead and take your phone if that's where your Bible is. Take your finger, open up Isaiah 53. That's where we are this morning. And I want to tell you about the simple gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you just a little bit about Isaiah. He lived about 800 years before Jesus walked on the earth. That was 800 years before Jesus put his sandals on the dusty streets of Israel and did miracle ministry. That was about 800 years before he opened the blind eyes of Bartimaeus or stood at the tomb of Lazarus and said, come forth and raised him from the dead. That was 2,000 years, I mean, not, sorry, 800 years before Jesus did anything, before the cross, before the empty tomb. But God gives to, to Isaiah this glimpse of the workings of the behind the screen and, and forgive that analogy because this is not a lot of thing I'm talking about this morning but God says let me show you the complexity of what is going to happen and, and Isaiah has this, this glimpse of, of what heaven sees in Jesus he gets the other side of when we read the accounts of Calvary we can look in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and it touches our heart to see Jesus suffering and, and dying on a cross. But Isaiah is giving us a glimpse of what heaven is doing, of what's really going on when Jesus is suffering. Starting in uh, verse 1 of Isaiah 53, and I'm in the New King James this morning. 
Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Do you know that uh, there were devils dancing on Calvary's mountain that day? There were priests and Pharisees laughing, saying, come on down off that cross. And they didn't understand. This is not Jesus in his weakness on that cross. This is not a weak man dying on a cross. This is God showing his arm. This is the strength of God coming to humanity. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah says in chapter 52 that Jesus' visage was marred more than any other man. He suffered, and it took a toll on him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him, but surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Isaiah has the real story. What was happening when Jesus was suffering. Uh, and in the four gospels, the, dra- the, the disciples watch the drama that's unfolding, uh, unfolding in front of their eyes. But Isaiah is seeing the complexity uh, of sin and redemption and of a God that loves you so much that the horror of the cross was an acceptable price if it meant you got to spend eternity with him. He, he thought the price to pay for you was all right. That, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. He saw the inner workings of God's redemption plan being written in the blood of of the Messiah. And I can take you to Matthew 26 this morning. And I could read it to you how that Jesus was praying in a garden alone. Uh, Disciples slept over under the tree and there he's praying in the garden alone. And and the Bible says that his, his sweat became as great drops of blood as he wrestled his human will underneath God's divine will. And finally, he won that battle. (laughs) He won that battle. Not my will, thine be done. Not my will. I can can read in that chapter how he humbled himself to the obedience of the cross. We see him arrested, taken to a sham of a trial at the high priest's house where he's condemned and he stands there and he takes the abuse. The lamb, like the law, like led to the slaughter, he was silent. He took the beating, he took the abuse, he took the words that that were just uh, shameful that they spoke to him. I can take you over to the book of Mark chapter 15 and, and I can read to you how Jesus was bound uh, and taken to the Roman uh, prefect Pontius Pilate and 
And when he would have set Jesus free, uh, that the people had been provoked into crying out, no, no, crucify him, crucify him. The very ones that were crying a week earlier saying, Hosanna, Jesus is coming to town. Now they're in the crowd and they're saying, no, we don't want him. Go ahead and kill him. I, I, I can... I can read to you how they take him and they they take him and the, the soldiers start whipping him 39 times with their scourge, a weapon that's so horrible it, it wasn't used after the Romans used it. That was modified. They didn't use this anymore. A, a, a whip with pieces of bone and glass woven into the end so they could tear his, his flesh like ribbons, 39 stripes, because if they hit him 40 times and he was still alive, they were going to die. They got the death penalty. 39 stripes on his back till his flesh hung like ribbons. I can take you to the book of Luke and we can read together how he was led outside of the gates to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And how they stretched his arms out on the cross beam and they took uh, the, the, the nails and they pierced his hands and his feet fixing him to a cross and raising him up suspended between the heavens and the earth while his blood ran onto the dirt below. And we can listen as he takes his final breath and says, it's finished, it's finished, it's done. And the veil of the temple is torn, that four-inch four thick curtain that would be like tearing those big humongous Columbus phone books into it was ripped from the top to the bottom and there was access made into the holy place we can find that in these verses we can read these accounts and we're seeing what the disciples are watching the eyewitnesses that day but Isaiah has already told me that something more is happening than I see this is not a tragedy playing out on a human scale Surely he has borne our griefs. Surely he has carried our sorrows. And we have seen him smit, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. And when I get to those parts in the gospel, I want to be real with you. I hurry through them. I open up my Bible for my, my early morning devotion. People like me a lot better when they have, I have Jesus before I get to work. So I try to get up early and read my Bible a little bit. And when I open up and I see that I have come to the, the, the chapters where Jesus is going through his passion and dying, something in my heart goes, oh, not today. You see, I don't want to see him hurting. I love him. I come in here and I worship him. I love the, the darling of heaven. And to watch him be abused through the words uh, of, the, of the Bible, it hurts my heart. But I've got to look. I've got to look at that man on the cross. If I don't see him building his will to the Father, I might not build mine. I might do things my way. If I don't see him with spit running down his face, I'm not going to let anybody spit on me. I'm not going to take the reproach of the name of Christ if I haven't watched him suffer for me. 
I might stay holding on to the sin. And, and if Judah sold him for 30 pieces of silver, I might sell him for my pet sin if I don't look at that cross and see what, he done, what he's done for me. I've got to look at the cross. And I've told you about what we would see in Matthew and Mark and Luke, but I can't leave John out. We've got to talk about John. Because I get to uh, John chapter 20 and I open it up and I watch Mary Magdalene go to a, a, a tomb that's sealed and she's got her spices to anoint the body of Jesus to do the burial uh, ritual for him. But she gets to the tomb and guess what she finds? The stone's already been moved out of her way. There's nobody to anoint. Jesus is risen and he's alive. And there's a witness account that says, hey, we saw him. Over 500 people said, oh, we saw him. Jesus is alive and well. And if I'm going to appropriate what he did on the cross, and I'm going to look at the cross of Jesus, bloody and beaten, I'm going to get to look at an empty tomb. I'm going to get to get up because he gets up. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I told you this morning... I was bringing you a simple gospel, and here it is. It is the sufferings of Jesus on the cross. That's the proof of God's love for you. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus has carried your sorrows. Jesus has risen in power. He reigns in great glory. He, Jesus in you strengthens you. Jesus for you emboldens you. Jesus around you protects you. And Jesus before you went into the veil and sat down at the right hand of the Father to pray for you. Jesus is the simple gospel. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I have to tell you, I can't look away. He's glorious. Hallelujah. He is the good news. The simple gospel is this. Jesus did everything that was required to bring you into a right relationship with God. He did everything that was required to clean us up and give us access to the Father. And we, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees the blood of Jesus. You know, sometimes I go, and, and maybe my mouth is messing. It's always my mouth. I'm always messing up with my mouth. But I've messed up with my mouth, and I feel like, oh, Lord, I need to ask for forgiveness again. And my, my human propensity is, let me suffer for this a little while. Let me beat myself up a little while first. But you know I can do nothing that adds anything to what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. I am forgiven because of the blood of Jesus, not because of anything I've done. We come to God and he doesn't see our guilt. He looks at us and he sees that blood. We stand in grace and mercy because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the simple gospel, it's simple on our side. But the reality, reality is that Jesus suffered so we can receive the benefits of the cross. He died so we could live. He rose again so we could get back up. He reigns and we're going to reign with him. We have access to the Father because Jesus is sitting beside of him. How's that for a, how's that for a benefit? You know, sometimes uh, we get prayer requests for the prayer team, and, you know, we, it, it is our mandate to carry the, the church to God. That, that's the mandate of the prayer team. But you know what? I've got, a, I've got an intercessor. 
I've got an intercessor that in the middle of the night when I, I can't call you guys and say, hey, will you pray for me? I've got somebody praying for me. I've got somebody with the inside, inside ear to God who's going to take me to him. In Ephesians 1 and 3, Paul says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Uh, uh, do you know what, how many blessings you get in Christ? All of them. They're all yours. He has blessed us with every heavenly blessing in Christ. In Colossians 2, Paul says that Jesus blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. How's that for a benefit? We can't earn that. You know, I go to work, and if I work so many days, I get so many hours off for vacation time. I've earned the benefit. I, I work, and, 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 work, and my, my employer puts part of my insurance in for my health insurance. That's my benefit. The benefit of Jesus is that he has done all the work. I didn't earn any of it. He did it all. It's all about Jesus. Romans 5 and 1 says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you don't have to be afraid to go to God. You have peace with him but through Jesus. Romans 5 and 10, Paul said, if, we were in, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? We're, we're, we're saved. We're saved. You know, sometimes we see uh, uh, there's been a, uh, some kind of natural disaster or something's happened and people mark themselves safe. I'm safe. I, I'm not harmed. We're in this room today and, and all of us are in here because we were safe. But you know what? <laughs> Jesus is the safety. Jesus is the place of safety. No matter what comes at us, he's our place of safety. That's the good news. Jesus died for us so we can live with him. Can I give you one more scripture this morning, folks? The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given to us all things, has given to us all things that pertain unto life and death, life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that called us to his glory and his virtue. I didn't want to come in here this morning and try to bring you a shiny new word. You know, sometimes I get in my prayer closet and I get my Bible out and the Lord shows me something in that word and it's like I'm drinking out of a deep well. And I'm like, oh, that's shiny. That, that burns me a little bit. I like that. I like that. I didn't come in here to give you something shiny and new. I came to give you something, something real. I didn't want to leave you with something that's going to tickle your ears and leave you dry and empty. I wanted to bring you the substance, the cross of Jesus and the to empty tomb. That's the gospel and the power of God for our salvations. I can't bring you something more relevant, more powerful, more impacting than Jesus crucified and resurrected. The cross is the hinge of history. Everything changed for us at the cross. It closed the door on our separation from God and swung heaven's gates open. It, it, it closed the door of the judgment that was due, us, due to us and it opened the, the, the doors for God's blessing and his mercy and his kindness to fill our lives. The cross and the empty tomb are the package deal. That's the benefit package. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
let, let's go ahead and start winding this thing down and know if you want to come and play. That's, that's great. This morning we have looked at the man Jesus hanging on the cross. We talked about the eyewitness accounts of his trials, his sufferings, his death. We, we have stood and gazed with Mary into an empty tomb. And we even glimpsed the behind the scenes of what was happening, heaven's view of Jesus on the cross in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We have briefly considered the great complexity of what Jesus accomplished for us there on the cross. And, and, and remember, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you may be sitting there today and you may say, Sissy, I've been tracking with you this morning, but I, I see Jesus on the cross and, and, and I see that he's accomplished these things for me. Uh, but what is it that you want me to do? What is the thing that you're asking me to do this morning? I brought you the simple gospel. You get the simple response. Believe. Just believe. That's what he asks. I want you to believe that no matter what you're facing or what you're going to face in the future, what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you. Church, we're living in complicated times. If, if I read my Bible and it looks like the newspaper, I have to assume I'm in the end times. And, and things are complicated. I've actually seen things on social media where people posted, what's wrong with this country? It's the Christians. That kind of rhetoric, rhetoric was around Rome when they were feeding us to the lions, okay? That's the, that's the stuff that gets the church persecuted. It's something I really didn't think I'd ever see openly in our country, but it's here. And you know what we're going to do about it? You know what we're going to do when we see that stuff? We're going to show the love of Jesus to those people. We're going to kill them with our kindness. We're going to demonstrate a cross-shaped life that is dedicated to that man on the cross so that they can know the liberty that we have. Jesus loves those people, and he wants them in heaven. And, and, and you know what? If it's uncomfortable for us, the cross was uncomfortable, but he did it. But he did it. We are the light of the world. That's what Jesus called the church, the light of the world. You know, the light's made for the dark. You don't turn on the lights when it's light outside. You don't need a flashlight to see where you're going if the sun's shining. But it's in the dark. The light is made for the dark. And what God, Jesus is sending the church with a mission to go into the dark, to the broken, to the addicted, to those people who need him. We're on mission, church. But I want to make this a little more personal this morning. Maybe what you're facing is way closer to home than that. Maybe it's some sickness, either in yourself or in somebody you love dearly. That's the one I'm, I'm looking at in this past season of my life as my mom was struggling with heart failure. As, as I was facing that, that's what I was facing. That was the thing that woke me up in the middle of the night. That was the thing when I said, oh, Jesus, he says, yeah, I know. We already talked about it. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you if you're battling sickness, look at that man on the cross again. Look at him bleeding and dying. Believe the price he paid was enough. Was enough. By his stripes, you are healed. 
Amen. By his stripes you were healed. Our sick church family, by his stripes you were healed. We speak the blood of Jesus over you this morning. And, and maybe, maybe you're facing something out this morning. Maybe, maybe you have more month than money. I've had more month than money before. Jesus and, uh, suffered and died to give you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Go ahead and ask your daddy God. He's opened the way. Go ahead and ask him what you have need of. He's going he's gonna to provide for you. Maybe your problem is you've been spending too much time looking at the wrong things. Maybe it's a Facebook scroll. Maybe it's that TikTok and that donkey and that dog. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's something worse you've been looking at, and you would be terrified if someone said, "I'm going to put your screen on the on the screen on the big screens this morning." I don't know. You know what it is that's been taking your gaze away from the man on the cross. You know what it is. If something has captured your gaze and the cross no longer throws a shadow on your life, go ahead and put down your phone. Go ahead and put clothes down the computer and start looking at that man on the cross again. Maybe, maybe it was too much attention on the news or the media and angers filled your heart. Jesus can take care of that. He can take care of that. Maybe your prayer closet has grown cold and empty. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed just to tell him how much you love him. Maybe it's been a while since you poured your oil on his feet, Mary. Maybe it's time you need to come back. Come back to the man on the cross and worship. Whatever it is, I want to ask you, church, to look at the cross this morning. See the price that Jesus paid and know that it was enough. No matter what it is that you say, that's me. He's enough. What he did was enough. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. That is the simple gospel. He did the hard stuff. You get the simple. Just believe. And may I ask you to stand with me this morning in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes and don't look around. Because I want to make the offer this morning. If you're in here and you say, it's been a while since I looked at the man at the cross. It's been a while since I gazed at Jesus and some things in my life need adjustment. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you to, to slip your hand in the air. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. Just slip your hand in the air this morning and, and we'll pray with you. If there's anybody in the room that doesn't know him, doesn't have that relationship with him, and hasn't accepted Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, just slip your hand in the air. I won't embarrass you, I promise. With all hearts and minds clear, all hearts and minds clear, and no one, let's, just lead us in worship. Let us, let's just worship the Lord this morning. I will build my 